Lord for the blood. We're glad you're here this morning. Grab your hymn book, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Brother Ken, come lead us now as we stand and sing this morning. Amen. In your blue song book, hymn number 56 today, it's page 56. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing first, second, last verse, hymn number 56 this morning.
some sweet things out of dark places. Ever be light where once it was His touch.
announcements. First of all, I want to say a thank you to uh, those kids and especially the chaperones who went with us uh, uh, on junior camp this week. I appreciate uh, Miss Leanne, Michaela, uh, James, and Carmen going as chaperones for the kids. They had a great week. We praise the Lord for that. Uh, Miss Leanne was telling me about one pastor uh, uh, down north of Asheville who had 71 kids from his church go this week. Uh, Praise the Lord, man. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Just think, those of you that work Children's Church, that's probably not even half of the kids they have there. So uh, anytime you get frustrated with them, just think you could have ten times that many. Amen. But 
Thank you for those that went. We sure appreciate it. Uh, let me give you some quick announcements. Of course, uh, don't forget now our, our Operation Christmas Child that is new for this month. Uh, that will be going on for the month of July. We always do Christmas in July uh, to benefit Operation Christmas Child. And uh, I've given you a breakdown of what we ask you to bring in each week. You can do this any way you want. You can bring it all in at one time. You can bring it in each week. All of this stuff you can get at the dollar store, virtually everything that you see there. And we also have a bulletin insert that goes into detail about the items uh, that are represented in each category. You can get all of that stuff at the uh, dollar store. We're not asking you to spend a fortune, but it is a fortune to those kids that receive it. So I appreciate your generosity, and I'll call your attention to on week four, which will be July the 23rd, just like we did a couple of weeks ago with a barbecue fundraiser, we're going to do a fundraiser uh, on July the 23rd, and that will go to help pay for the shipping for our Operation Christmas Child boxes. The shipping for a few years has been $7 per box. It's gone up this year uh, to $9 per box. So we're going to try to use uh, the uh, uh, fundraising money on July the 23rd, uh, and it'll be a drive through special just like we did a couple of weeks ago. You can pull around back, get it, and go. Take it to the house with you. Uh, it'll be $5 a plate more than likely. We'll give you all those details once we get near to it. But you can begin bringing those items in at any time. We ask you to put them in the uh, outside office, outside of Brother Ken's office, and then we'll get them from there and separate them to get ready for our Christmas in July special. Also, I want to say a big thanks to those that have helped signed up for our nursery. We've got enough uh, that folks only have to do it once a quarter, and I'll make one more plea today. If you did not put your name on that list and you're willing to help us out, once every three months, we would sure appreciate it. I also remind you about our new website address for those of you who watch our programming online, whether you do it live or you want to go back and watch some of the uh, archives of previous services. We do have a new web address now. Uh, you get there. Once you're there, you operate it basically the same way as the old address, but that server had expired. So we've got a new web address. It's got new content. It looks really great, uh, our new website does. So make sure you call yourself attention to that so that you can utilize those if you would. And then uh, I, I want to also make a, an impassioned plea to everyone. I know you all are so gracious and so generous with bringing in various items. I always want to remind you about our... Uh, um, uh, the, the things that we have in the back for Grace Network, we also have them over here as well. We participate in our One Church, One Item program. And so if you have not been able to participate, you got another week for our current item, which is dried beans or canned fruit. And, and folks, I'm going to be honest with you. There is truly not a week that goes by where I don't get a phone call in our church office about folks needing help, quite frankly, in our community. And it is very, very powerful for me to be able to say we partner with Grace Network. Here's the phone number. They'll be glad to assist you. Uh, we don't, quite frankly, have the personnel here on staff full-time to be able to handle all those needs. So partnering with Grace Network is an important ministry for us. So while you're out shopping this week, pick up a 95-cent bag of dried beans, if you would, and drop it in the back or in the side so that we can use that as our responsibility for, for this quarter. There'll be a new item for next quarter as well. Then we've got all of the dates uh, coming up in the next several weeks throughout the end of uh, the summer months. Our Civil Servant Sunday on August the 6th, honoring our police officers. Women's Mountain Retreat coming up. Ladies, if you're planning on going, you need to sign up within the next two Sundays. you got two more Sundays to sign up and pay the registration fee. 
which is $55. That's got to be paid to Sister Up Church by July the 9th. Then the lodging costs are due once we get there. And then, of course, uh, we're continuing with our online uh, tithing system. If you want the information on that, that is there as well. All right, let me get all the little ones. Come on up. to If you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church, you come on, make your way down, and you'll be reminded that right now this is all going to our upcoming teen conference. So if you want to head out and have fun upstairs in Children's Church and Junior Church, you come on this morning. They're going to come around and collect any loose change you got. We call this our penny march. Uh, take off, young folks. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you. Lord, I pray for Sister Connie as she sings this morning. 
Lord, I ask you to touch her. Use her today to be a blessing to the folks. Lord, we love you. Most of all, we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tears 
Mountain Fellowship. Want to make an announcement about this afternoon's uh, activities we'll be having. We won't be having services here this afternoon. We're moving everything up to Ferry Stone State Park to uh, celebrate our pastor's birthday from this past week. And, uh, <laughs> we'll have hamburgers, hot dogs, uh, chips, uh, fruit, all kinds of things. <laughs> Scratcher. <laughs> For the health nuts that might be up there. But, uh, <laughs> Where'd I go from here? Yeah, we're having cake. We're having cake, cupcakes, hamburgers, hot dogs. We can bring some pizza, <laughs> donuts, whatever we need. We'll make him happy with whatever we have there. But uh, all you need to do is come up. When you go through uh, Ferry Stone, go through the main entrance there, bear off to the right, and just down below the bank will be um, shelter number three. And uh, we're actually going to have both shelters there because uh, expecting a large crowd. So uh, we're going to have a good time. And, Lord, be some games there for the kids to keep busy and have fun and uh, run around. There's a little creek down there to play in if they want to get nasty and dirty. And the things I'd done when I was a kid, if there was a creek around, I was going to be in the creek. But uh, getting my nice shoes all dirty and stuff. So you might want to bring a pair of flip-flops. But we're looking for a good time of the Lord. It's going to start at 5 o'clock there at Ferry Stone. And uh, looking for a good time to celebrate our pastor's birthday. It'll be a great afternoon, a lot of family fun. And uh, Brother Bobby's going to be driving the van. Van's still leaving at 4.30 here at the church, leaving from 4.30 here at the church. If you need a ride, if you're coming from the other side of town, just come up, show up, and Bobby will give you a lift up there. And so we're looking forward to a great time in the Lord. Let's all stand together, have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 243, Victory in Jesus. We'll sing the first verse, chorus, then we'll have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 243.
Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. In your Bibles this morning, 1 Samuel chapter number 21, please. 1 Samuel chapter 21. While you're turning, one more final announcement this morning. Right after service today, uh, Miss Leanne needs to meet with everybody that's heading to teen conference. That's the teenagers, the chaperones, parents of the teens. Uh, needs to meet right after service in the teen room. Got some paperwork to give you, a few other things you need to know about, and that's got to get sent in this week. So it's essential uh, that uh, we meet right after service today. You, uh, you pray for, and I know some of you are aware of this if you follow social media, uh, you pray for Brother CT and especially his wife, Becky. Uh, Becky is in the hospital. Uh, she's been there for uh, a few days. She's had uh, multiple bouts of pain that they've been unable to diagnose or determine the cause of. And uh, she's had a couple of procedures now. They're just trying to figure out what's going on. Debilitating pain, actually, in her kidneys. And so pray for uh, CT. They're supposed to start their camp tomorrow uh, with many churches in attendance. So you pray for them. Uh, I can't imagine trying to do it without my wife. So you pray for CT as he goes this week. Uh, and that the Lord will just touch him. First Samuel chapter number 21 this morning. Uh, I want to begin reading in verse number 10. We'll read down the, uh, through verse 15, and we'll actually go into chapter 22 and read the first few verses there. So we'll start in First Samuel 21, uh, beginning in verse number 10. Bible says, And David arose fled that day for fear of Saul, went to Achish the king of Gath. Notice verse 11. The servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? David laid up these words in his heart, was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of mad men? But you've brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? Chapter 22. David, therefore, departed thence, Please note the next clause. And escaped to the cave Adullam. If you underline your Bibles, underline that clause if you would. Escaped to the cave Adullam. When his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress... Everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. 
he became a captain over them. There were with him about 400 men. David went thence to Mizpah of Moab. He said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth, be with you, till I know what God will do for me. He brought them before the king of Moab. They dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. Let's pray. Father, we thank you first of all for your word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to stand in this pulpit one more time and deliver a message that I believe you've laid upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that you take the outline that I believe you've given us and use it, God, to be a blessing to the people. Lord, I pray that most of all you'd convict sinners of their need of salvation if there's one in our midst. Lord, I pray that you draw us all closer to you for sanctification today. And Lord, I pray that when we walk out of here, we would be better equipped to do your will, walk in your way in accordance with your word than we were when we walked in. We'll thank you. We'll sure praise you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Twelve-year-old Johnny was walking across the neighbor's farm, and Johnny had a big old wagon full of fruits and vegetables, cantaloupes and tomatoes and watermelons and cucumbers. Johnny got a little bit tripped upon his way, and before he knew it, he turned the whole wagon upside down. Johnny was standing there crying. Farmer Brown saw Johnny and yelled out the window, Johnny, don't worry about it. Just come on in. Ma's done fixed us a big old lunch. You come on and sit down, and we'll take care of that later. Johnny said, I sure would love to, Farmer, but Pa wouldn't like it. About that time, Mrs. Farmer Brown came out, wiped Johnny's tears, and said, Johnny, don't worry about this mess. You come on in. I've got a big old lunch spread. We'll come out later and take care of this. Johnny said, I don't know. Pa wouldn't like it. By that time, Johnny had done been convinced. He walked inside, sat down, country ham, bacon, and eggs, biscuits, tomatoes, gravy, chocolate cake for dessert. He was in hog heaven. Not a fruit anywhere on the table. Anywhere. Amen. And suddenly, after spending 90 minutes gorging himself, Johnny got up and said, Well, I reckon I better go attend to my wagon. Farmer Brown looked at him and said, Johnny, why don't you stay a little bit longer? Just relax a little bit. And Johnny said, No, Paul wouldn't like that. Farmer Brown said, You know, it's been a while since I've seen your pa. Where is he these days? Johnny said, He's out there under the wagon. <laughs> Before we get into the message this morning, Tracy, wave your hand, honey, everybody. Up here on the third row in the middle, right here, wave your hand again, Tracy. Up here in the third row in the middle, uh, a lot of you that were with us 
when we first started at Amazing Grace, you might remember, Tracy, uh, when Renee and I were at Wayside Baptist, Tracy was on our bus route and eventually moved in with us. She lived with us for about four years, uh, last couple of years of high school and then through her college at Tennessee Temple. So I guess it was five or six years that you lived with us. And I shared downstairs in Sunday school, my wife and I had tried for years to have children. We tried for four years, in fact, to have kids and were never successful, never able to have children. We thought that we weren't going to be able to have kids. So we took in Tracy to begin with, and then uh, uh, Renee got pregnant with James uh, shortly thereafter. Then Tracy went off to college, and we took in another teenager from our church, uh, another teen girl, and then uh, Renee got pregnant with Lydia. And I looked at her, and I said, we ain't taking to nobody else. Amen. That's it. We're done. But uh, you, the Lord has used Tracy's life. She got her degree in education in sign language when she was at Tennessee Temple and uh, is an interpreter now in the school system, uh, you, uh, teacher, teacher, amen, praise the Lord, Tracy. Been a while, we're trying to catch up. She's from Oklahoma, and she's got her boys with her, and we're glad she's here this morning and appreciate how the Lord's using her life. I want to begin this morning with a message that I've entitled an unusual name, and I'm taking it directly from chapter 22, verse number 1, where it says that, he departed and escaped to the cave Adullam. I want to give you a message this morning I've entitled, Don't Waste Your Cave. Don't Waste Your Cave. Let me ask you a simple question, and you can say amen to this. Do you ever at times feel overwhelmed by life? I challenge you sometime today or this week, we won't for the sake of time this morning, I challenge you to go read Psalm 142. David wrote Psalm 142 while in the cave of Adullam. It was a time period in his life where he is in a dark, damp, dreary, depressing cave. And at this moment in David's life, he had experienced the loss of everything and everyone in his life. And as I'll show you this morning, undoubtedly he felt alone, he felt defeated, and he felt discouraged. More importantly, he's also on the run from Saul the king. In fact, when you read the end of chapter 21, he ends up in, the, in a strange territory. The Bible says that he's uh, at the king of Gath's residence, if you will, in his territory. And in order to escape from there, he's got to put on a show, act like he's a lunatic, act like he's a madman, flee from there. He's got no place else to go, no place else to run. And so he ends up literally hiding out in a cave because his life is so overwhelming. I want to remind you of this, folks, that David had been anointed the next king of Israel. This is the king in waiting who is running from the current king, Saul, who himself is a bit of a nut job. Amen. You go back and read it. Saul's a nut job himself. 
He's always chasing after David for no apparent reason, realizing that David is the heir apparent, the king. And so David, in order to, to just get away from everything, he's got no place else to go. He waits 15 years by the time from the time he's anointed king until he would ascend the throne. But in the middle of that, his life is turned upside down. And I'll ask you again, you ever felt like you're just about to lose your mind because of the life you're having to go through? David, listen now, would enter that cave feeling discouraged, depressed, and distraught. He would exit that cave stronger than he ever imagined. Please listen to what I'm about to say. The man that came out of the cave was far different than the man who went in the cave. The man who went in the cave was about to lose his mind because of his circumstances. The man who walked out of the cave had his head on straight, his shoulders squared back, a line of people ready to follow him, and he was on fire for God. I want to give you a message this morning that says, don't waste your cave. You see, what David didn't realize at the moment is that God put the cave there just for him. God led him to the cave. God separated him for a while and placed him there in the cave because God knew that there are blessings and lessons that can only be learned and discovered in the caves of life. We sang about it this morning in a song that said this, there will come sweet things out of dark places. Heavenly light where once it was dim. Three things that I want to give you this morning and a message that I've entitled, Don't Waste Your Cave. Number one, the realities of the cave. The realities of the cave. Let me start by making a very simple statement this morning. None of us like the caves of life. None of us like the bad news. None of us like the phone calls. None of us like the pink slips. None of us like the family drama. And would you amen me? There is no drama like family drama. Amen. With the possible exception of Baptist church drama. Amen. None of us uh, like those caves of life. Why, preacher? Because in the caves of life, there is sorrow to be found. Sorrow to be found. David, at this moment, at this point in his life, beyond any question, David is brought to the absolute bottom of his life. He's hurting. He's broken. He's defeated. This crown prince of Israel, the next king of the land, is not residing in the bed of the princess, the, the king's daughter, uh, who was his wife. Uh, he's not feasting sumptuously at the king's table. Uh, he's not resting his head uh, on the bed in the palace. Uh, he's not uh, sitting in front of a table uh, that's spread with food fit for a king. Uh, the crown prince of Israel uh, is laying uh, his head on a rock uh, in a dirty 
cave that stinks, that smells, that's damp, that's removed from society, that's isolated. In fact, the sorrow that David's experiencing is clearly expressed in Psalm 142 as he describes the fact that life is overwhelming at the moment. I have to be honest with you. One of the things that frustrates me so much about some preaching that I hear on the radio and television today is this ideology that, that if you love God enough and if you're faithful enough, you'll never have difficult times. That's just not true, folks. The fact that you're going through a dark valley, a cave experience, uh, does not mean uh, that God is disappointed in you. Uh, it does not mean that God is disciplining you. Uh, it doesn't mean that God is angry at you. Uh, it simply means uh, that we are in a sin-cursed world. Uh, it means uh, that there are times of life that are ordained for us uh, that we should not expect to get through life uh, untouched or unaffected. Uh, and I'm reminded uh, that regardless of how bad it is for us, uh, there is always somebody who's got it worse. Caves of life bring sorrow. I want you to also note that the caves of life also bring suffering. This is the same David who had slain the giant with a slingshot, five stones. In fact, he only needed one stone. This is the same David who had been ordained, as I've told you, the next king of Israel. This is the same David who was married to the princess. This is the same David who had been tapped as a 15-year-old boy and had written such beautiful things as, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But this moment in David's life can't depend upon his family. They're gone. Can't depend upon his friends. Doesn't have any. Can't depend upon his finances. They've evaporated. Can't depend upon the future. It's way out in front of him. Can't depend upon his fame. The people in Gath knew who he was and they laughed at him. He surely can't depend upon his flesh. See, at this moment... David's got to learn a very valuable lesson that every single believer has to learn. When you got nothing else to lean on, that's when you learn to lean upon the Lord. That's when you learn that the caves of life are often not meant to destroy us. They're not meant to discipline us. But what God was trying to do is develop David to be the next great king of Israel. As hard as it is, understand as hard as it is at times to bear please understand that God uses our cave experiences of life to make us into the image of his son there was sorrow there was suffering but I submit to you that in this cave of life there was also separation David was the youngest of a whole slew of boys. David had been used to being surrounded by his family. David had 
befriended. Not only had he married the king's daughter, he had befriended uh, the king's son, uh, Jonathan. Uh, They had become the best of friends, uh, but that relationship is gone at this point. Uh, His families are gone at this point. Uh, Even those that had followed after him uh, were gone at this point. Uh, He's in a place uh, that prevents fellowship with others. Uh, Nobody understood him. Uh, Nobody could rationally understand what he was going through. Uh, This cave was a place of separation, and it was a place of isolation. I discovered something in studying, something that I, I think many of you are aware of, but it bears repeating. There are, in the Christian life, often times of intense separation. You don't have to amen me because I know in our fundamental circles we don't even like to talk about the bad times of life. But the reality is sometimes we walk through valleys that are so deep that it feels like nobody understands. It feels like nobody can really grasp how deep the hurt is, how difficult the row is, how challenging the pathway is. And so we feel withdrawn. We feel isolated. We feel like nobody understands, nobody cares. And we feel totally secluded in the cave of life. Here's the discovery that I want you to understand. Those times of isolation often come just before God's times of great blessing. I am not one of these name it, claim it preachers. You know that. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I want to give you some biblical evidence of what I'm talking about. You're going to see in just a moment uh, that David, uh, alone in his cave, walks out a very different man. Uh, But I challenge you uh, to study Jacob uh, and the time he was forced to spend alone in his tent. Uh, How Elijah spent time alone by the brook. Uh, How Job uh, spent time alone by the fire pit. Uh, How Moses uh, spent time alone by the backside of the desert. Uh, How Saul uh, spent time alone blinded uh, because of his encounter with Christ. Uh, Even how Jesus uh, spent time alone, uh, abandoned he felt in the garden of Gethsemane uh, and on every single one of those occasions uh, their time as isolation uh, is followed up by the time of greatest triumph uh, during their battles of life you see folks there are lessons that can only be learned in the caves of life every parent that's had a child understands that you can look at that two, three-year-old toddler and you could say, don't touch hot, don't touch hot, don't touch hot, but let them touch it one time. When they touch it one time and they get burnt, suddenly they understand what hot means. Look at me. We can talk about the lessons that are learned in the caves of life all we want to. But when you find yourself in one of those caves, when you find yourself uh, your family can't help and your friends can't help and the future looks bleak and the finances won't help uh, and you realize that the only one who can help is your heavenly father uh, and you discover uh, that when he's all that you've got... uh, He's all that you need. 
And there are lessons that can only be learned in those dark caves of life. Not only do I want you to see the realities of the cave, I want you to see secondly this morning, this may sound like a contradiction, but please listen to me carefully. There are also refreshments that can only be found by the cave. Elijah experienced that by the brook Cherith. Job experienced that by the fire pit in agony. You see, one by one, little by little, David began to experience some of those sweet things that are found in dark places. Go, if you would, please, to chapter 22. Notice, if you would, verse number 1 again. David therefore departed thence, escaped to the cave Adullam. Note the next clause. When his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down to see him. When his brethren and his father's house heard it, when they heard that David was isolated, alone, abandoned in the cave of Abdullah when word got to them. The family pulled up tent, went down to where David was. Now, I think you'll amen. Sometimes we don't necessarily want our family around. Amen. Family are one of those things that we can talk about, but nobody else better. Amen. But i got to remind you about David's family. These are the same people who laughed when David was anointed king. These are the same family members uh, who, who said, Yeah, everybody's accounted for. Uh, there's no brothers left. Uh, but David was not even in the house. These are the same brothers who when David said, well, if y'all won't attack the giant, by godly I will, they laughed at him. They made fun of him. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound like refreshment to me. But when they heard about where David was, they realized we got to put all of that behind us. we got to go find where our brother is. I have to tell you, as a pastor, sat in that office, knelt at this altar, sat in those pews, and I have listened to people describe things that they are experiencing that boggles my mind. Some of God's choicest believers have to experience things that simply in my flesh make no sense. I'm going to be blunt. I've watched some of them crumble under the load of life. I've watched some of them look at their circumstances and their surroundings, and I've watched them fall apart and sink into a pit of despair. Then there are others who, despite the load they're carrying, seem to rise on wings as eagles, 
who seem to soar just a little bit higher above their situation and their circumstances. They seem to tap into a source of strength that they themselves don't even know that they possess. See, church, it's not the storms that you weather that define you. It's the way that you weather the storms that define you. Can I say that one more time? It's not the storms of life that you weather that define your Christian character. It's the way that you weather the storms that define your Christian character. I have a wonderful series of books in my office. Barbara Hamilton is the writer. She's married, had three sons. One of them died in war. One of them ran away completely. One of them turned himself over to sinful sexual immorality. When her husband was diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer, she wrote in the foreword of her book, I've got four men in my life and I'm about to lose all four of them. She titled her book, Pain is Inevitable, but Misery is Optional. Pain is Inevitable, but misery is optional. She wrote a prequel to it that she called Stick a Geranium in Your Hat and Be Happy. You look at that and you think, how can you be happy in times like that? Uh, And she made the statement uh, that it is not my circumstances that define me. uh, It's the God I serve uh, that gets me through the circumstances uh, that remind me I am not my surroundings. Uh, I am greater than all of that. His family was one of those refreshments. Following his family came a whole host of motley folks. Look at verse number two. And everyone that was in distress, that means that they were under stress and under pressure. Have you ever been to the doctor and he looked at you and said, you you need to get rid of some of your stress in your life. I mean, do you ever want to look at him and say, what exactly do you want me to do? What am I supposed to get rid of my children? Well, that's not a bad idea. I mean, what if you can figure out how to get rid of stress, you can be a multi-billionaire. Keep reading with me. Everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, I figured the whole church would bust out in a big amen right there you see Saul had imposed such a heavy taxation that many people were unable to pay not only for their life's necessities but the taxation that Saul has imposed so you got a multitude of folks who are overwhelmed by life you got people who can't pay their Saul enforced tax burden and then it says everyone that was discontented that means those who were bitter that had been mistreated gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them I ask myself, why did they go there? Why did they go to David? I mean, when David's dealing with his own problems of life, 
he probably doesn't need to deal with everybody else's problems in life. But there goes his family. There goes the discontented. There goes the distressed. And one by one, they come to David. And can I read between the lines and give you a little bit of Gregology? I think they were looking for a little bit of encouragement. I think they were there not to be beat up and chastised and stomped all over. I think they were there looking for a little bit of encouragement. I think they wanted to go to somebody uh, who had walked in those shoes uh, who could look at them and say, you know what, it's all right, you're going to get through this, it's going to be okay. While you're here, dig you a well because somebody else needs to come along and drink from it. Uh, But you're going to be fine. You know why? Because all things work together for good to them that love God, uh, to those who are called according to his purpose. Uh, So I believe that they came there looking for some encouragement. Can I stop a second and say, that's one of the reasons Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church has its doors open. Because I am 100% convinced that there's a whole lot of people out there who are tired of being beat up by life. They're tired of being beat up by society. Oh, don't throw your Bibles at me. They're tired of being beat up by religion. They're tired of being beat up by holier-than-thou Christians. They want to go someplace where they can lay their burdens down, where they can say, I'm here to drink from the fountain of life. I need a little bit of refreshment. I need a little bit of encouragement. And if you come here for that reason, you are here for the right reason. Amen. I need some encouragement. Notice, not only were the family a refreshment, not only were the friends a refreshment, but I believe that in this cave, David experienced a refreshment that I'm going to call a renewed focus. A renewed focus. For the sake of time, you can go home and read 2 Samuel chapter 23. But these 400 people that are described in 22, uh, when David becomes king uh, of Israel, uh, they become David's mighty men. They become the men that David can depend upon who will fight for him, who will fight with him, who will stand with him. This is exactly what God needed to happen so that the David that walked into the cave was different than the David that walked out of the cave. He's got a brand new energy. He's got a brand new focus. His time of discouragement is over, and he is ready to charge on for the cause of Christ. And there's a group of people standing right behind him. David, we're ready to fight right along with you. You see, when you get to the caves, you learn what's important and what really doesn't matter. Would you look at me this morning? Please get this. We sweat far too much of the small stuff. And we forget about what really Matters. The caves of life help remind us what is important and what's not. Can I get? I, 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 I've done my best not to inundate you with stories of my mother's passing, but I do like to pepper in a little bit. The week before my mother passed, 
course, she passed away on a Thursday, went in on a Monday, uh, and we didn't know if this was going to be a week, if it was going to be a month, how long it was going to be. And I'm on my way to Patrick County for a very important meeting with some very significant potential donors. Dr. Godwin is with me. Another vice president is with me. Uh, I get the phone call from Renee that, Greg, your mama's in the hospital. It doesn't look good. Uh, and the th- you, you're going to have to forgive me for this, but the thought that instantly ran through my mind was, oh, my gosh, I have too much to do. I've got, don't look at me cross-eyed, y'all. But what ran through my mind was, I can't get to the hospital. I've got too much to take care of uh, that won't happen if I don't take care of it. Dr. Godwin, she's not here this morning, probably watching video. She pulled, she said, Greg, you need to pull over. You said, what'd you do? I pulled over. (laughs) She looked at me and she said, you need to take care of what matters. Everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will take care of itself. You know what I learned in that moment? The caves of life give us a focus that we miss if we're not in the cave. Let me give you the final thing this morning and I'm done. The realities of the cave, the refreshments of the cave, and finally the revelations that come out of the cave. Go to verse number three. David went thence to Mizbah. Moab and said unto the king of Moab let my father and mother I pray thee come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me this is the one and only time in scripture that David says uh, I gotta care for my mama I gotta care for my daddy I, I gotta make sure my family is provided for and it only happened because he walked out of the cave verse 4 he brought them before the king of Moab they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold I closed this morning By saying this, David walked out of the cave. His calling was revealed. He walked in discouraged, defeated, despondent, and depressed. He walked out delivered, dedicated, and desiring to serve God. He walked in the cave lonely and isolated. He walked out of the cave leading a group of mighty men that would change the course of Israel's history. I'm done. The caves of life bring us sweet things that can only be found in dark places. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Nobody's looking. And I want to ask you just one or two questions, if I may. Number one, this morning, uh, with nobody looking, help me out now, nobody's looking. You say, Pastor Greg, uh, I'm in one of those caves right now. I'm 